Welcome, Screensavers. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screen Savers podcast. Matt is taking a well-deserved night off. We miss him dearly, but we're going to continue on. This week, we're doing another of our big recommendation episodes. We did this last summer. We did it in the fall, and it was a lot of fun. The basic idea being there are so many options of what to watch, what to sit down on your couch and sit and relax with for a couple of hours, and we want to try and help you, the listener, decide what to watch. You don't have to spend half your time scrolling through without making a decision and then being dissatisfied with how you spent time in your life so it's really one big weekly watch list i kind of divided mine by streaming service just to make it a little more organized for you guys depending on what you subscribe to tyler you did yours least to most favorite correct that is correct is there a huge difference between your least and most favorite there's a drastic difference. Yes. <laughs> okay, that makes me excited. I'm going to start you guys off with a couple of picks from HBO Max. couple of oldies. I'm giving you guys a Michael Douglas double feature. Number one being The War of the Roses from 1989. This is a dark comedy with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Directed by Danny DeVito. Written by Michael Leeson. It's a dream team. It's about a married couple who, after the wife files for a divorce... Both stay in their grand home, refusing to give it up and torturing each other to get the other person to leave. I like I was watching this and I'm like, this is the stuff that movies are made of. It's so hilarious, fantastically acted, directed, written, starts as a Nantucket movie and then transitions ah. to a DC movie. Yeah, you don't get too many of those. Douglas and Turner are pitch perfect as a couple who will stop at nothing to destroy each other. It is one of the most poisonous movies about marriage ever. It has one of my favorite Michael Douglas moments ever. If you guys know me, you know I love Michael Douglas. But it's it's not depressing. It's entirely entertaining. I like If you are interested at all, take a chance on this one. I love this one. And the second one is Disclosure. This is from 94. This is still when he is on a grand run of great movies. It is based on a book by Michael Crichton, who wrote Jurassic Park, about a rising male executive in a computer company who is sexually harassed by a new female boss, played by Demi Moore, who he was once romantically involved with. Right, So it's... The the moral of, of this movie are terrible, right? Directed by Barry Levinson, though. Incredible filmmaker, diner, rain man, all that kind of stuff. And written by Paul Adonacio, who wrote Quiz Show, Donnie Brasco. I find this movie incredibly entertaining. Let me say this first. The morals of this movie are absolutely reprehensible. You can imagine just by the plot description of a male executive getting sexually harassed <laughs> that it's a little dicey does he get does he get pants <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no he's he does not he does not get pants and his his character is not uh not guiltless either so i am not condoning anything about the movie's attitude or its position on events at all but it's so bonkers that I love it. And the other reason I love it is because this movie encapsulates so much of the Michael Douglas experience in which he is playing a man who is very successful, right? He always does this, who is trying to be even more successful. He exhibits deviant behaviors, but he's not the worst guy in the world, but it is socially accepted. And then he's often being pitted against a woman 
And though he is not blameless in the situation, he emerges as the hero, even if he exhibits awful behavior towards the woman. Right? This often happens. You think about this, War of the Roses is the same. Fatal Attraction, like, definitely is probably the biz- biggest example of this. And as I was watching this, I'm like, wow, what a pattern with this guy. This is probably the most... This my, this or Fatal Attraction is the most insane example of that. This movie's wild, and it has one of the strangest third-act turns that I have ever seen, which involves Michael Douglas in virtual reality, like, trying to solve a crime <laughs> But it's like 94 <laughs> virtual reality. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Uh, what's your first pick? My first pick is a Netflix film. I think it's a Netflix original. We watched it on Netflix. I think it is. An, and that is Your Place or Mine. <laughs> oh, I was going to watch this, but didn't. How was it? It was. Well, so basically, after me and my girlfriend finished watching it, her exact words were, that was cute. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seemed cute. It is it's a cheesy rom com with Ashton Kutcher and Reese Witherspoon. Uh it it wasn't terrible. It was it was cheesy. You know, it had Jackson Avery from Grey's Anatomy, so that was cool. I'm like, hey, he's from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so is isn't it just like he's watching her kid and then they realize that they love each other? That is exactly the plot, word for word, yes. That is two hours worth of movie summed up exactly that. So they're like friends for like 20 years after like hooking up once. Yeah. And then they come to realize they're in love with each other. And they were meant to be. (laughs) That's the movie. It's cheesy. It's alright. It's entertaining enough. I got a few chuckles out of it. But, I mean, I'm not rushing back to watch it. Uh, I'm I'm glad I didn't watch it then. I'm I'm not in the mood for any mediocre movies. All right, I'm gonna go to Peacock now for all you Peacock subscribers. Oh, a really three, good yeah. one. I, I think there are a lot. I'm <laughs> one of them. Uh, really good movie. Spoiler alert. Tyler, do you remember seeing any sort of trailer, or do you even know what this is? I remember seeing trailers for this, but I don't really know what it is. What did you think based on the trailer? I don't even remember. I I watched this trailer. I don't even remember when. So okay, so I that's, just remember it showing up on like Twitter or something. That's the response that I expected you to have. So <laughs> this is a romantic drama. It's based on the memoir "Spoiler Alert: The Hero Dies" by Michael Osiello. It is about a writer for TV Guide, Michael, played by Jim Parsons, who falls for and has a complicated relationship with a man named Kit who was played by Ben Aldridge before Kit is diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was directed by Michael Showalter, who did The this Big is Sick. This at the cabin. It is, well, I'll mention that in a minute. Michael Showalter did The Big Sick. He did The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Really creative director. And I like this movie a lot, much more than I expected to. The impression I got from the trailer, again, kind of like what you allude to, is that it would be like an all-right romantic drama, right? Maybe not completely memorable, And the mood is what you think it is if you watch the trailer, but it's a really wonderful movie. It's very sweet and touching when it needs to be. It's really funny at times, too. There are a lot of creative ways of doing flashbacks and time lapses, certain conversations, great creative touches, different ways of doing the scenes that I really like. 
I think this is some of the best work that Jim Parsons has done. And I think he's a really good performer. His version of Michael Osiello is a very vulnerable person who has a lot to give, but is slowly learning to love with his full being. And Ben Aldridge is, is excellent. I think he's better than this than, I don't want to say better than he is in Knock at the Cabin. This is a much better part than in Knock at the Cabin. And I say this as the one of the three of us who like Knock at the Cabin the most. But I think he's very good in this. And they're so great together. They have really excellent chemistry. The movie doesn't shy away from the messier aspects of their relationship. Like really complicated things that I didn't see in too many movies before. Which was very thought provoking. I was rolling over certain character dynamics in my head. And I thought they were handled with a lot of grace. This has the makings of what I call a living room classic, where I watch this with my family in a living room over the holidays or something, and it's like, all right, I know what I'm getting out of this, but it's nice every time, that kind of thing. The other peacock pick I'm going to give you guys is Sick. That's the title, Sick. This one was just kind of dumped on there. I After seeing the movie, I can see why they just dumped it. This is a home invasion movie set during COVID. So a college shuts down due to the pandemic. These two friends stay at one of their remote forest cabins, right? One of their parents or something. They hang out. A guy in a ski mask breaks in. They have to run and fight. Does this sound familiar at all? Sounds a little familiar. Yeah, perhaps about 9,000 movies. So (laughs) for 90% of this, it is the most generic entry in the genre in the home invasion genre like i said the guy who breaks in is wearing a ski mask they didn't even like get creative with the costuming or anything like that (laughs) like this this villain could not be more nondescript if you tried the actors are doing a serviceable job with an okay script so it's like an okay watch but it's all of it. All of it is in service of a very not good twist that happens 90% into the film and does not provide any payoff at all. I'd like to talk about it, but I won't. I don't like to spoil movies if we're doing quick reviews. Just You, you could just read it and see if it would be worth it for you to watch the movie. If you're looking for something to throw on late at night, go ahead and stream it. Otherwise, just like pick any horror movie on Tubi. And you will have a better time. Right, what's your second pick? What's the middle of the road pick? The middle of the road pick. And this is close to the first. You know, this is this is much higher than your place or mine. Just just throwing that out there. Okay. I mentioned it briefly. I saw it on another episode. And that was Gerard Butler's Plane. <laughs> okay. Plane was actually way better than I was expecting. It is a very serviceable action movie. Definitely a dad film, which Gerard Butler is like, that's his niche right now, and I love him for it. Yeah. This was very, very direct-to-video. Very direct-to-DVD-style movie. The fact that it is in theaters, or made it to theaters, is all based on Jerry Butler's star power, so you gotta give it to him. <laughs> you gotta give it to him. Oh, it was... It was pretty good. It was a good action movie. I've kind of grown tired of how stale the action movies have gotten. You got like John Wick and then like the most generic stuff. This was serviceable. Him and Mike Coulter did good jobs in the roles they were given. And it was an interesting enough movie. 
not much to say about it without spoiling anything. Not that there's spoilers. It's Gerard Butler versus some bad guys. <laughs> You've seen this movie before. Does he but make this it? Time, this time there's a plane. A spoiler alert. He makes it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, I, there's news that there's going to be a sequel called Ship. <laughs> it's going like, to be his under siege. They said if Gerard Butler's in it, it's only going to be a cameo, which makes me sad. Oh, that's... Why? What is he making? I don't know, but Mike Coulter's going to be the star of this Oh, no, he, he's making the script that we wrote, Angel Has Fallen in Love. <laughs> yes, the rom-com and the Angel Has Fallen series. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a couple of Netflix ones now. Uh, one old one... <laughs> This is a bit of an odd recommendation, but I watched this for the first time. Deliverance. Tyler, have you ever seen this? I saw Deliverance, yes. So this is from 1972. It's based on the book by James Dickey. It's about four men who are city dwellers. They take a canoeing trip to the rural Georgia wilderness, but run into a potentially fatal situation after a heinous incident involving two locals. I watched this on Netflix, as I said. I very much liked it. It's incredibly disturbing. I wouldn't recommend it for anyone who is not in the mood for depraved content. And I'll just say, trigger warning, and the movie is very famous for this. There is a central scene of sexual assault that is quite graphic, I would say. The movie is famous for it. Um, so obviously, you know, do what you need to do for yourself. It is a thrilling backwoods survival movie. It has fascinating moral question at the center of it. And when you think the conflict is over, it's not. This is also an interesting movie to look at in 2023. You know, the way that certain people are portrayed and that kind of thing. Really wonderful performances from John Voight, Ned Beatty, Burt Reynolds, Ronnie Cox. Are you a fan of Deliverance? I enjoyed Deliverance, but I think your uh, your analysis of it was very spot on. It's a very depraved film, very messed up, and it did not maybe age the best. No, it re- it really didn't in certain <laughs> ways, unfortunately. So that that made for a fascinating watch. I also watched You People. This is a romantic comedy about a Jewish man and a black woman who fall in love, but when their families get together, there is culture clash, which puts strain. On their relationship, it was directed by Kenya Barris, who wrote Girls Trip, uh, the sequel Coming to America, some good films. He wrote it with Jonah Hill. I like this movie. I think it has some good writing. I don't know if it's a great movie, if you know what I mean. I think it's one of those that has some very good scenes, but it doesn't string together into an excellent whole. I still think it's worth watching. There's a lot of good stuff here. Jonah Hill is very good as always. Lauren London. Very enjoyable, liked her a lot. I think this movie is a testament to Eddie Murphy's acting ability because I didn't feel like I was watching Eddie Murphy in this. It was like Eddie Murphy was was a character and was in a different role, which which is always good, you know, because so much of his career, which has been incredible, is just based on the Eddie Murphy persona. And for him to, you know, to be good in a movie and not have to rely on that, I was impressed. And then Julia Louis-Dreyfus is good. I found her character kind of grating. She's meant to be grating, but I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't love, love that part of the movie. So good movie, not great. I, I think it's still worth watching though. All right, I'm gonna throw a couple of 
Amazon Prime recommendations at you. Are, are you still a, a Prime subscriber? I'm still a Prime subscriber. For for all the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel content? Uh, more for the shipping, but yeah, also, yeah, of course, Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel. Oh, and the boys, right? I do love the boys. The boys is great. Yeah. So I watched Argentina 1985. This is one of the nominees for Best International Feature, and I think deservedly so. It's about the trial of the juntas in which the leaders of Argentina's last military dictatorship were prosecuted for crimes against humanity. This is directed by Santiago Mitre. I like this movie a lot. It centers around real figure Julio Stracera, who's played by Ricardo Darín, who is very good, and building a team of these very young legal workers who are like all in their early to mid-20s to take on this historical case of, you know, torture and kidnapping and all these sorts of humanitarian crimes. This one is movie is great at showing you the process of building the team, recruiting witnesses, preparing documents, working around legal issues, and avoiding threats from the defendant parties, right? It's always nice when a movie both has a good story and can kind of like seamlessly take you through a world that the general public would not necessarily be familiar with. It's very moving. It's very well acted and written. Also puts legal systems under the microscope. Right? What is the value of a system that promises justice when its its own rules make that hard to achieve? But when we're frustrated with that and we feel like we want to throw it out, what is the consequence of obliterating orderly law? So it throws those questions out there. I like this movie. I also watched Shotgun Wedding, the new Jennifer Lopez rom-com. You mean the new Jennifer Coolidge? <laughs> Yeah, Jennifer Coolidge is in this. Uh, just watch Marry Me. That's what I have to say about Shotgun Wedding. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do one more, then I want to hear your last. So I, I didn't get to talk about this too much, but if you're a Shutter subscriber, and I, I believe that AMC Plus subscribers will still get access to Shutter, Skinnamarink, I think, is now on there. This is Kyle Edward Ball's unique horror movie about two kids who wake up in their house and discover their father is missing along with the windows and doors to the outside. This was the movie I couldn't make it through the trailer of. I was so scared. I think this movie is a big step forward for horror. The movie is not perfect, and I'll get to that in a second, but I say it's a big step forward because it is so unsettling in a unique way. There have been some great movies, horror movies, over the past few years, but a lot of them blend in together, which like kind of ruins the scare ability. But this one in such a strange way, it's shot in such a strange way with this grainy texture. You're rarely looking at the subjects. You're often looking at the tops of doors or toy blocks being pushed around the floor, really relying on sound. But the sound in one moment sounds like it's coming from the end of a long tunnel. Sometimes it's so quiet. There are subtitles, right? It's all very unnerving. Truth be told, this movie is a bit boring, which I was very surprised by. Part of the reason for that is that it's an hour and 40 minutes, which is very long for this format. A lot of the time is spent looking at old cartoons, toys, stairs, like regular house stuff. But then in the middle of all that, there are some of the most frightening moments I have seen in a film in a long time. Like I was freaked out when those things happened, and then I was bored again five minutes later. So very unique experience. It should be about 20 minutes shorter, 
So this is not the most perfect version of itself. I'm not saying it's the best horror movie of the last five years or anything, but it is a step forward and the things it is able to accomplish are unique. So I still recommend it if you're a horror fan, Skin of Marink. Tyler, what's your, your highest pick? So you mentioned my last pick, which is uh, very uh, <laughs> appropriate because it is The Last of Us. Oh, okay. I finally got caught up on that. So this is a game series. I really liked the second one. I did not hate it as much as most people. Um, the first one I loved as much as most people. The second one I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, so when they announced this, I was like, ah, it's already got a format. I'm, I'm a big proponent of, like, if you're telling it well in this format... Why do you need it in another format? We don't need Mark Wahlberg as Max Payne. We have the Max Payne video games. If you want this story, play the original. Like, you don't want to just watch a condensed version of, like, a game, in my opinion. And there's, they're rarely done well. But, like, that's the format the game was fitted for. This long, hour, hours-long process. So trying to condense that into a game leads you to stuff like Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So... <laughs> It's always never a good thing, so I was just kind of like, eh, on this Sony's track record of bringing their things to video is not great, you know, with Uncharted last year was an oh atrocious Stop. thing. Stop bringing Nothing it up. Nothing like it. So it's, when that happened, I knew, like, this this wasn't going to be great. And Pedro Pascal signed out, like, oh, hell yeah, Pedro Pascal, oh, Pedro Pascal. So I was kind of on board with that, and then Bella Ramsey, I was like, I don't know if she's going to be good for Ellie, just because, like, that's not, like, how Ellie is, but watching the show, she killed it. She does it so well, how she plays Ellie. It's just like the character from The Last of Us games. It's incredible. Uh, Pedro Pascal is incredible as Joel. Uh, Just the supporting cast is incredible, especially Murray Bartlett and um, uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah. In their episode, their arc is incredible. It just they they show so much from the games that like I feel like I I love that when I'm like, "Oh, I recognize this scene." And like, "Oh, I know what's going to happen, but I can't wait to see it kind of unfold." They do it so well on this show that I think it's one of the few exceptions to this rule where you shouldn't translate things to different mediums that work well in the other medium. Um but I just, I really enjoy it. I think they do so much well. They change some stuff, of course. Some stuff I kind of question why they changed it. But they're doing well, and I'm excited to see how much they change going forward. I don't think it's going to be much, but there's a few things here and there. So as somebody who hasn't played the games, I've watched the first few episodes. And I I think it's all very competent, and some of the stuff is good. I'm the same. My attitude towards it is like, my critical attitude is like, oh, this is very well done. My kind of like lizard brain attitude is like, eh, whatever. It's like good. I don't really love it. I, I do think Fair. the Murray Bartlett episode, I mean, that was great, but that almost felt like another show. It does. If you know so what I mean? It's one of the things, yes. And like, I'm not going to criticize it for that, but I, I don't know. I, I just don't love it. I'll keep it going. You know, you never know until you keep going with something. I do think the creature design and the yes. audio on it, so, great. I do I do want to say, bringing a clicker to life was incredible, first of all. Um, the bloater, too, but the, the clicker 
the clicker I was kind of like, how are you going to make that scary when I've killed thousands of these things playing this game? And I think they do it really well. Like, the first encounter in the Boston Museum is just really, like, the, the, the voice they make, the noises they make, it, they just do it so well, and it is genuinely frightening. So, scale of 1 to 10, how much do you believe that this is Boston? Uh, like, 2. Yeah. <laughs> There's scenes where I'm like, that's Boston, and, like, outside Boston, it's like the mountains. <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah, this show has no idea what Boston is. <laughs> They're like, Boston's located in the Pacific Northwest, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Three feet from Boston. <laughs> yeah, like, it's ridiculous. It, it'll be like a block that looks like Boston, then they go like outside, like right outside the gate, and it's like not even remotely close. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a well-made show. I, I hope to like it more in the future. All right, I'm going to get into some VOD options here first being a man called otto i mentioned this briefly on the show before but here's the full thing i think this is coming to vod soon it's about a grumpy man who lives in a small community in pittsburgh he's a grump he's lonely he lost his wife a few years ago i think or actually i think within the last year i'm not entirely sure to be honest but his neighbors slowly bring him into their lives until he isn't such a grump anymore. And that's pretty much the movie. However, the film is quite nice. It's a relaxing, sweet movie that's a bit too long, but I'm not mad at it. Tom Hanks, I'll be honest, I thought was miscast in the trailers. He proved me wrong. He is very good as this curmudgeon. The real star of the show is the chemistry he has with Mariana Trevino. She plays his new neighbor who gets him out of his shell and forms a relationship with him. They're really fantastic together. When they're sharing scenes, there's not a false note. There, there are some unnecessary subplots in this, most notably Otto wanting to commit suicide. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not laughing at the topic, but it is handled so poorly and comically that they just needed to take it out of the movie. Otto tries to kill himself so many times in this movie. <laughs> and the first time he does, he like installs a noose in his ceiling and then it's he's like too heavy for it. And unless I'm misremembering, when he falls, there's like Music that's like way too upbeat to be appropriate for this is like burp, 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 burp. <laughs> incredible. So that so that movie joins the universe of Tom Hanks starring movies where he wants to hang himself but can't. The other one being Castaway. So he's he's had to do that at least twice in his career before. <laughs> All right, it's this is not a great movie. It's it's a fun watch with the family. Like take out that subplot and everything is just like, "Oh, this is nice. I'm having a good time. There's enough emotion here, but it's not super heavy." Again, minus the horrible suicide subplot. Oh, that's nice. I'm having a good time. Oh no, Tom Hanks is trying to commit suicide again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't get into it, but And then it's just like him like running into traffic while the music's going like do 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 do. Yeah, he like ping pongs off the car. Ding ding ding. <laughs> also, this is the funniest thing that will happen in a movie all year. 
there's one part where Otto is talking to a neighbor that annoys him, and the guy is in his car. And the guy in the car is blasting none other than Chet Hanks' White Boy Summer. That's the (laughs) funniest, cleverest thing that will happen in a movie all year. I can't believe they did it. And it made the whole two-plus-hour experience worth it. So thank you to whoever made that decision. All right. I also saw Women Talking. I'm not sure. I don't think this is on VOD yet. But when it does, I do recommend seeing it. This is a Best Picture nominee about a group of Mennonite women who have been continually sexually assaulted by the men in their group. They meet in a barn to decide if they will flee, if they will fight, or if they will do nothing. This is written and directed by Sarah Pauly, based on a really incredible book by Miriam Taos, which is it's just fantastic. I've recommended it before. The movie is very good. I don't think it's quite as good as the book. I don't I don't know if I should hold it to that standard. I don't want to demean it. It is a very good movie. It's an impressive adaptation of a book that is quite literally what the title describes. But it parses down the most important parts and it knows how to vary the scenes, right? The setups, the blocking, so it doesn't feel too play-like. Cause like I said, this this is just a story about women having conversations. It complicates the material to the point where you can feel the characters' minds being pulled apart with the choices they have to make. Awesome score. This one should have been nominated. One of the best ensembles of the year, Rooney Mara and Claire Foy were the standouts for me, but Jesse Buckley, Judith Ivey, Michelle McLeod, they were all very good. So when that one comes out, give it a chance. So that is it for our recommendations. Uh, Watch those, and if you have any thoughts, shout us out on social media. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sutkus, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel. 